Um, what do you want to call it? We're going to talk about emotions today. I'm so yeah. emotional. <laughs> emotions. <laughs> emotions. <laughs> what was that, Anne? Uh, uh, well, I wanted to give like a little bit of harmony to your like weird high-pitched emotions. I kind of went emotions. Oh, uh, so gentle. It's like, you know, you know, it? the Scott Walker, you know, like that type of music where it's all sound and weird noises and things being scratched and droplets. It sounds horrible. What are your kind of things that you want to say about this subject? Because I think, you know, there's a lot to it. Well, I wanted to raise, so there's like a couple of things that I've been seeing recently that have reminded me of like things that I saw when I was younger or like when we started getting together. And it was all stuff to do with emotions and like how emotionally available you are to people. And part of it came about because I've seen like the emergence of this word simp. Like, do you know Do you know that word? Yeah, I have heard of that word. What, what do you think when you hear that word? It's those type of guys that are ridiculed for being sympathetic towards women and being friends with women. And it comes from that sort of incel uh, mm. mindset. Incels for people who don't know, I didn't know what they were. Um, they are dickheads first and foremost. They're Doja Cat's friends. Yeah, okay, that's not, <laughs> you know. Um, I've deleted all her music from my library actually. Um, yeah, they are just the type of guys who don't get laid and hate women, and so they call men simps. I don't even know how you say it, but Sim um, simps. Um, simps, yeah, it's the start of the word sympathetic, isn't it? Simps. Ah, I didn't know that. I think okay. that's what it is. That would make sense. Um, yeah, they, 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 they basically describe simps as men who you know, it doesn't make sense that they're friends with women because all men want to do is fuck women. So if you're not fucking a woman and you're friends with her, it's because you want to fuck her and you're pathetic and you don't just fuck her. And this is coming from guys who never actually get, mm. you know, any sugar. So. <laughs> any sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also to be said about incels is that it's not even that they that they don't have sex, but that they've never really been touched by women or never being close to women Ugh. and it's like you live your entire life not being connected in any way with the opposite sex it creates this sort of mental situation where you tend to despise the opposite sex then you generalize entirely about it and you despise them because you think there's something wrong with them that they're not touching you that they're like disgusting that so you know you blame them for all your problems that's what like an incel does Mm. Um, Sounds like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, for, like for me as well, I've seen this word simp. And when I first saw it, it was like people who were like just laying down on the ground and letting women walk all over them so that they could have sex with them. Like that was where I first saw it appearing as like, oh, I wouldn't like, you know, I would never simp. Like I'd never do that for a woman just to get sex. And it's about like men trying to, trying to almost be superior to women in the sense that like, yeah, women can do that stuff, but like men can't do that stuff because we're men and you know, the sex comes to us, yeah, <laughs> all that all sort that of bullshit. stuff. But it evolved and it evolved because of like toxic meme culture and the alt-right and all these 
basically like teenage boys online who've never touched girls and find it like you know are annoyed at their virginity but then go on call of duty and scream at 40 year old men from I different countries I think that's a great description like, actually like, like my dad <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> we've but, both um, got daddy issues. I think we've made that clear, <laughs> innit? But, uh, but yeah, the reason I bring it up is because it then ties into that whole emotional stuff and whether you're emotionally available. Because, like, simping now is seen as, like, you're not allowed to be nice, you're not allowed to open up, you're not allowed to be compassionate, you're not allowed to be seen as being fragile or to be seen to be soft or to be seen to be human. Like in any way, you're not allowed to have emotions. You have to be like a man bot, like a man robot, <laughs> a man bot. Like yeah. you have two functions in life to hunt and provide and to fuck and procreate. Yeah. And that's it. You're a man bot. And if you dare do anything to try and please women, then you're like far inferior than these Call of Duty players who are clearly the superior race. Just sitting in their basements on their own getting fat and yeah. cheese puffs. <laughs> it's true, they probably do all eat cheese puffs. They probably do. Uh, nothing wrong with cheese puffs, it's just if you are doing it in that situation, with that mindset... They'll be, they'll be the type of people who, like, I was when I was a teenager, although I had girlfriends as a teenager. I wasn't an incel, but I, I lived off a diet of those Rustler burgers. You know, oh, <laughs> you know the ones gosh. you stuck in the microwave for, no, like, they're horrible. a minute. And I don't like, trust people that? who microwave burgers, like, what the fuck, man? You should have told when... me that before we got together, that is a red <laughs> fucking flag. Well, no, by the time we got together, I knew how to cook. Like, I was cooking by then, because I had become vegan by then. Uh, before that, I didn't know how to cook, didn't know how to do anything. I was useless. Really? I was really, aside from, you know, I did cadets, which meant that I was proficient in map reading, shooting, sleeping, camping out, um, That doesn't sound boots, useless to me. Polishing standing boots. in the cold for hours and then marching. You never polished All my this boots. sort of stuff. Why would I ever polish boots again after being forced to polish boots for like two years? I don't know, Ant. You still want to camp and that's horrible. Camping is brilliant. I, I urge everyone to go out into nature. Boring. We nature built shelter for a reason. Yeah, to protect us from like wild animals and all that sort of shit. But that doesn't mean it's not beautiful and relaxing and mindful and all that yeah, nice for stuff. For a day, you Helps don't you need de-stress. to sleep. Oh god, no, I stress. Anyway, to get back to the point of emotional unavailability, it actually connects to the cadet stuff, which I was just saying. Because yeah. that stuff, and especially like growing up as a young man, you are told repeatedly to not have emotion, that you have to be strong, that to show emotion is weak, and to be in complete, like, religious control over your actions. And they teach that in cadets through, you know, relentlessly drills, doing drills, which is just marching, like, on parade squares and standing still for hours at attention, Ew. and going through humiliation techniques where, you know, like, they might wake you up at, like, two in the morning when you're in your boxes and make you lie on the ground and pretend to be a shit beetle or they might march you about the parade square while like throwing rocks at your feet or you know that sort of stuff but through all that humiliation and there's i mean that's like a very specific thing about like that's what they did in cadets but what they do in wider society is like you see it in tv shows you see it in films the man is always strong in control competent no emotion logical 
but the woman is always the emotional wreck, the person who can't control her emotions and needs to be controlled by a man. Mm. And that's where all that simping stuff comes into as well. Because it's like that idea that that's, that's what the woman should be doing. The woman should be falling head over heels to try and do everything for the man. The man shouldn't be doing that for the woman. And it's bullshit. But it is bullshit. I do think, though, and tell me if I'm wrong, that in our relationship, it was the case where I remember you told me that you never had dreams in terms of dreams when you sleep. Um, mm-hmm. Not ambitions. <laughs> I wouldn't have been with you if <laughs> yeah. you were like, I've got no ambitions. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I like never remembered my dreams. You never remembered your dreams. And then, and then I started telling you about my really vivid dreams. And then you started having dreams. Do you remember? Mm. Mm. And you had like really, and now you still get like really. And you cool were jealous. Dreams. You got jealous of my dreams. I of remember. course Cause I were, did, because they were so detailed. I remember when, when that happened, it was like you were having all these mad dreams, and I was like, I never have dreams. So you you started talking to me about them, and then I started like remembering my dreams like lords. And it was during a period where you suddenly weren't having any dreams that you remembered, mm. <laughs> and you became really annoyed. <laughs> and I was a very, I am still a very emotional person, so I feel like it does. Mm feed in although i do blame that on soya milk i drink a lot of soya milk and i contain a lot of estrogen as a result um i think that has something to do with it uh, but you know generally like i'm i've always been the emotional one and you've always been the more sort of grounded presence mm. but i think mm. that there has always still been complexity to that and that's what people kind of uh, don't pick up on is that a lot of the women that I know that I consider to be very feminine and uh, whatever that means you know they 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 also can sometimes be completely logical and everything that's associated with masculinity which is ridiculous you know um but you know there's so much nuance to it which we don't discuss and it's because that's the mainstream idea i just think that personally between us you know we kind of almost did fit into those gender roles mm. um but i, 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 yeah, I don't know what you i mean think about I, I definitely did i think you did as well to an extent and i think that was the dynamic of our relationship for a long time is that i was the one who who did things i was the one the competent one in the relationship i was the one who like cooked um, and cleaned. I don't know about that. Took care of stuff. You what were do you the mean one the competent was... one? Was I the incompetent <laughs> one? What the fuck does that mean, man? <laughs> I felt a lot in our relationship. Like I ended up taking care of you a lot. Yeah, that and is you, true. And it was like the, the assumed roles sort of became parent and child at times. Yes, I admit that actually. <laughs> but I think that changed a lot as we grew as people. And as like our relationship developed, like definitely by the end, we weren't really like that at all. Maybe that's why our relationship ended up changing and ending because the people we were at the start, the roles that we fitted into, we had changed those roles by the end. But why? Why wouldn't the why wouldn't the relationship evolve with that? Yeah, that's true. No, it did. I think it. I think it is to do with changing as people. You know. Um, you obviously you meet somebody and then you kind of they are right for you at the time and and you know timing can be a wonderful thing and it can also be a bitch but like yeah we 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 got to a point where we became you know different people by the end 
And so it's almost like we didn't need that from each other anymore because you were able mm. to move to Berlin and level up mm -hmm. after the breakup. And mm. I have been able to delve into writing like never before after mm -hmm. the breakup. So, you know, it's 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 just interesting how that's happened. Yeah, um, it needed it needed to end. It was like that period of our lives was meant for that bit there. And yeah. It's like it had reached the end of that, and now we needed to move on and be other people with other people. I do feel like the floodgates for you burst open after the breakup, and as much as I like to mm. see you happy, I was very happy to see you sad because. You, you know, I, I saw you. I was you a were mess. Absolutely miserable. I was a mess. As someone who was never really that open about their emotions, I was like visibly in tears in you public were a many ball times. All of tears. And I hate crying in front of people. I still I now this is all tied up with this emotional stuff and like not showing emotions and seeing it as weakness and stuff. Mm. I still cannot cry in public. I hate it. So like the idea of actually like being in that sort of position where I was so upset that like I would cry in front of other people, like that was horrible. Funnily enough, when we broke up and you became that, mm. I became the opposite. That. I did not <laughs> that. Um, I became, I, 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 I did not cry for months on end. And mm. this is from somebody who cried every fucking day. You know, yeah, if we I, definitely flipped. We flipped. We flipped. Mm. I became aggressive. I started drinking straight whiskey. I scared off mm. you many were being men. You were super reckless. I was a reckless sumo yeah. warrior with you no became... tears. <laughs> you became like a rolling stone. Like, because you became stone, you were like hardened, but you were just steaming through everything. I like that. I agree. <laughs> Whereas I was like a puddle. And you were a star. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh But it helped us both. Cause like, what do you think we were during the relationship? In, in these, I like these analogy things that you're doing. <laughs> uh, well, I already said we assumed the roles of kind of parent and child. No, um, like, you know how you said puddle mm, and stone? Find a nice metaphor. Did a cat yeah. just scare you there? Yeah, a cat scared <laughs> me, bro. <laughs> um... I don't know, you can't put me on the spot and make me come up with them. I can't think of them like oh that. God, it just came no to the rush. top of my head when it's... I think you were like a spoon. <laughs> what the fuck does just, that mean? You just... You just spooned up all the mess. <laughs> I just spooned you. No, 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 you know what you were? You were a tissue. No, I was a sponge. Okay, yeah, that's better. You were a sponge. I was a sponge. I you were SpongeBob SquarePants. Everything. Yeah, and I, was... I absorbed everything and then occasionally leaked it out. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds was a horrible. horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, um, I don't know. I want to say something like, like a balloon, but like a balloon that every time it blew too much and burst, it started again. That is really lovely. That is great. My metaphors are on point today. Your metaphors, mate, you should Although be writing a, a poem. You're like a balloon, I'm like a cartoon, SpongeBob and Balloon Girl. 
Wait, so, so you're Balloon Girl and I'm Spongebob. Yeah. Wait, bubble Buddy. Spongebob gets I'm a Bubble Buddy. buddy. You're Bubble Buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you really are Bubble Buddy. Apart from everyone likes Bubble Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> there was other points about this sort of stuff that I wanted to talk to you about as well. Because um, not just in our relationship, but I've really since starting this podcast and still since talking about it, I've started getting really interested in other people's relationships, whereas before I didn't really care that much. I you know, were I tried really to gossip it. with you all the time and you'd be like, I don't <laughs> want to hear about drama. Who doesn't want to hear yeah, about I like, drama? I don't care. I mean, I care about gossip to an extent, but at the same time, I don't I don't want to talk about gossip all the time. Like, you and your mum. Oh like, Talk about you God. and your mum. <laughs> Spillthetea.com, mate. That's me and my mum. We will gossip about our plants. But like, that plant is growing a bit bigger than the other one. I think it's on purpose. <laughs> like, you and your mum will sit there and watch some TV, maybe not even a TV series, a bit of reality TV, and you'll gossip about people non-stop and then compare them to people we know. <laughs> yeah, remember, absolutely. I do remember one thing that we always used to do, which was we would do impressions of people we know. And I'm saying that here now, so that people like people will get that in their head and they might think, shit, did they do an impression of me? I wonder what it's like. But we're not yeah. going to do it now. <laughs> so, you will never know. I just, I just want that level of paranoia of people. <laughs> what were you going to say about vulnerability? Vulnerability? I mean, I think that's kind of just tied into everything that we just talked about. It's difficult. Be, uh, difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult. difficult. It's, it's so difficult. It's so hard to describe. Um, no, it's, it's difficult being vulnerable, isn't it? When you're raised up in a society which tells you that you're supposed to be strong and provide and not be weak and all this sort of stuff. And I like fully believed all that stuff when I was growing up. Like when I was growing up, like joining, I, I always talk about the cadets. The cadets was like a fundamental transformation in my life. because that really you up, man. Dictated the type of, but it was during really formative years between like during the early stages of puberty, between the ages of like, what was it? maybe 12 and 15 or something like that. It was like the time when I was developing into the identity that I would then assume for like the rest of my life. Mm. So I talk about cadets a lot, but like they really smashed out the idea of like, you know, you need to provide, you need to be strong, you can't show weakness, all this sort of stuff because it was an army mentality. They breed you in the cadets to go join the army. And that's what I wanted to do. Instead of going to college, I applied to go to Sandhurst Military College so that I could train to be an officer and I nearly got in but the oh. only thing that stopped me was I couldn't take a, th a doctor's exam to prove that I didn't have asthma because, because I have, you asthma. have asthma and you're not allowed to go to Sanders Military Academy if you have asthma unless it's on really special conditions thank god so, for your asthma so I went to college instead and then carried on developing but obviously with all of that training that training to be a man that, or like that training to be the archetype of what a man is supposed to be. Do you feel happy with how you are emotionally now? Like, w w how would you assess your kind of like development emotionally from then to now? And what do you feel like um, still kind of seeps through and is ingrained? And what are you happy with that you came out with from that experience? And you know, all that sort of stuff. I like how these always turn into <laughs> therapist, therapy sessions where you tend to ask me a lot of questions. So I'm going to answer these, but then I'm going to ask you the same things. 
So think about that. <laughs> but um, I mean, the relationship definitely changed me because the relationships I had beforehand weren't serious enough to challenge my own concept of myself. It was always like any problems that there were, it was with the other person, it was with the time, it was with the place, it was with whatever, or like other people coming in and ruining a relationship and stuff. Blaming but, certain um, forces. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, like some of my relationships were like the other person cheated on me. But like, then at the time, I, I entirely, now nah, two of them. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. But the, uh, but at the time, I obviously blamed that directly on the other person and the person who cheated uh, with them. But looking back on it now, it's like I was so angry at that. But I was kind of like bringing out that anger internally at myself because I was angry at this external thing that had happened without actually assessing like whether or not I was actually good in the relationship or the relationship was good in the first place. It was just kind of that feeling like you needed to be in one. But you but, never um, had trust issues in our relationship. No, that's one thing I'm quite proud of. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, I'm quite proud of and disappointed by. I would like, <laughs> I would like to trust less, <laughs> but I wear my heart on my sleeves. And but you got that tattoo, really, trust no one. I've literally got a tattoo that says trust no one. But that's kind of more you. on the basis of like, no one's ever going to be able to do anything as well as I can do it myself. Like Oof. if I want something to be done, I'm going to do it myself. I can. Put it off to someone, but then I'll have to be chasing them up and I'll have to, you know, got a feeling of my That is a complex and, and a half, sort of mate. Just ask for it help. It is, but again, it's that it's that concept of not asking for help because you don't want to appear weak. It's like you want to do the stuff yourself. I'm a very, like, arty, craftsy, hands-on person because I want to make the things myself. I want to do the things myself. That's why I tattooed myself a few times because I wanted to do it myself. Madness. Um, but, yeah, with our relationship, it definitely, like sanded down all those hard edges and like mm. allowed me to see my emotions more like remember there was that one dream i told you about where there was like all the bodies do you remember that one it was like really visceral really violent i'll tell you it again then because i still remember it in like such vivid detail it's still so important to me but it was like i was in this place and i was surrounded by uh women and on covered the floor like the floor was completely covered in dead uh, in these sacks there were these bags right and all the women were naked uh, and i was fully clothed and i went to one of these bags and it turned out it was the body it was a, it was a body inside i can't remember now what the body was who the body was whether it was uh, male or female i think i remember it being male because this is i'll come to the point of the dream in a minute but um yeah, so we were throwing these bags into like mass graves in the floor that we had dug and the stench was so physical and was so real that I woke up feeling like I was going to throw up. And when I woke up from that dream, like I was horrified because I was like, what are these dead bodies? Why were these naked women helping me throw this, these, these male bodies into like a mass grave and stuff? And it was after we had had like a really, really good conversation where I cried and opened up about some experiences that I had with racism uh, with it was a mixture of like racism and my um and like being a guy it was like racism and heterosexuality or racism and masculinity that's the word I'm looking for racism and masculinity and from that dream what I gathered was like maybe this was me recognizing that 
that element of me that I was suppressing through rejecting my emotions and ignoring that stuff was actually really damaging and toxic. And this, in my dream, this was my psyche trying to go through the concept of like, what we did today was actually help throw some of that away. Yes, through, you like, this feminine energy. for your toxic masculinity, for all mm. that sort of poisonous, you know, state of mind, you literally put it to bed in your subconscious. Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah, so the relationship definitely allowed me to see my emotions a lot more. I'm still not, you know, I'm still of the mindset that I need to be in control. I can't be vulnerable in public. I need to, you know, if I've got a job to do, I need to get it done and I shouldn't have to rely on people and all that sort of stuff. And that's a much longer term problem. But in terms of the relationship, I think it's absolutely crucial that in a relationship you can talk to each other like that and open up like that to each other and allow each other to be vulnerable just within your little bubble so that you have some sort of support. Absolutely. Because you don't get it from society. No, you don't. And actually, that's why I would argue that it's not just a problem for men. And, you know, you need to sort of be a little bit easy on yourself and say that actually you're not alone in this because, yes, you know, male suicide rates are extremely high because of that pressure. But mm. at the same time, there is a lot of sort of uh, focus on people to be successful and to be competent and to do well and to be useful and to do something with their lives and force a meaning out of the meaningless, you know? So we all kind of suffer that to an extent, but I suppose as a man, you have the double entendre of, you know, male aspect. Hmm. Well, tell me about, tell me about you then about you in the relationship and whether it emotionally changed you or how you feel it did? Um, I feel like when I was in the relationship, I was very unstable and I still am and I worry that I will always be. Um, but I kind of think that when we were together, I regret a lot of my behavior because I kind of feel like, you know, I was very reliant and I didn't necessarily treat you Right, because it was my first relationship and I didn't know what to make of it, what to expect of it, how to be. And it's a lot of pressure to make someone happy. And that's what we're told relationships are. They are there to make the other person happy. And yes, it is that to an extent because you love someone and it's unconditional and you, you know, you care about them. But that should come from a place of, you know, uh, sincerity rather than kind of, mm. I've got to, this is my role and I, 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 I need to make this person feel this way and otherwise it's gonna yeah. all go to shit. But, you know, I feel like coming out of the relationship, I've actually put myself in your shoes more and as your friend, I'm more empathetic towards you because I don't have any expectations of you and we don't owe each other anything, mm. you know? And I think that's the beautiful thing about friendship and the toxic thing about relationships in the world we live in today. So emotionally, I think I'm still a fucking wreck. Uh, I have a lot of uh, issues, but I'm harming myself more than I was harming others before. Um, mm. So I suppose that's progress. But you're not harming others now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just to say that's it. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I'm not. Whereas before, I feel like I took a lot of my 
problems out on you, which was the wrong thing to do. And I recognized that only after we kind of left that situation. Yeah, but I mean, the onus was then also on me because I willingly wanted to take on that role as well of being the person that would help solve all your problems. Because that's like my sort of nature and identity, like the type of person I've become is I'm a problem solver. I always try and do too much, say yes to everything and take on that sort of burden. So I didn't really help in that respect either. I allowed you to indulge in that. And that's why I think, you know, the whole kind of cliche thing of relationships are a two-way street. It's not just a give and take in the sense of you do the dishes tonight, I'll do them tomorrow. It's a give Mm. and take in the sense of, you know, I have to take control of my emotions and not allow them to consume me so much that they become your burden and you Mm. have to be vigilant in your own self-protection and and, and respect enough to stand up to my Mm. uh, kind of uh, inappropriate emotional outbursts and and so I think there is an element of responsibility in both but I do believe that it's always more so on the person that is causing that sort of grief and, and, and that's why I've always felt like you know I the next relationship that I go into, I would like to be more uh, accommodating and, and empathetic and less self-indulgent mm. and reliant on, 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 on another person. So th- that's my two pence on it, you know? Yeah, and like what you were saying, like there's so much emphasis put on the need to like be in a relationship rather than just enjoy a friendship. But also put on the idea that then you need to fix each other in a relationship rather than allow yourself to have a network of friends outside as well. Which I think is like incredibly important. And career. mm, And career. Because it's like otherwise everything boils down to that small unit which you're a part of and all the problems become like massively exaggerated and exacerbated and made to seem so much bigger than they are. And that's probably happening for a lot of people right now under quarantine or under wherever they are because you've got a lot of people who are laid off from work people who are on furlough people are stuck in houses with their partners who they might not feel completely 100% open or comfortable with or they go through arguments which feel like they're never going to get resolved and you need that those other aspects of your life to be able to take out that stress on as well rather than just taking it out on each other or expecting each other to deal with it absolutely But on that point, I did want to raise something, which, so when I told my neighbor that I was doing this podcast, she recommended a couple of podcasts for me to listen to. Mm. I started listening to one recently. It is brilliant. It's so good. You would love it. Um, It's called Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel. And she (gasps) is... I think someone else recommended this to me as well. I literally mentioned it yesterday. Oh, okay, so it was you. <laughs> it was probably me. But I didn't want to tell you any about it, anything about it because I wanted it to be uh... like we talk about it on the podcast. Mm. So um, every episode, so she's like some sort of uh, therapist or counsellor. I don't know her exact title, but for couples. So like couple therapy, couple counselling, that type of thing. And uh, every episode that she has in this series is uh, the first session with a different couple every time. So in the first episode, 
it's a couple where the guy has cheated on uh, on his wife. Um, yeah, you just went for a second there. So in the first episode, it's where this man cheats on his wife and their relationship has struggled for like a year where they've tried to get back to normal, but they're not really having sex anymore. Um, they're kind of just like they're living with each other. They have a kid and that's sort of why they stayed together. And she manages, like Esther manages to get straight to the root of like what's going on, why it is that he even cheated in the first place, how they care for each other because there was a lack of understanding of what the other person wanted because there was a lack of communication. So essentially the problem of like the cheating occurred not because he was attracted to other people, but because he wasn't getting what he wanted out of the relationship, but she wasn't giving it to him because she wasn't getting what she wanted out of the relationship either. And it was kind of like this thing where because a simple breakdown in communication about like, for example, they would regularly have sex, but it was rubbish sex, where she felt like she was supposed to give him sex because she was married to him. He felt like he had to get it over with because she wasn't didn't seem like she really oh, wanted it. Oh my goodness, get it and over because of with. That, yeah, because of that, it created this this sort of sense of um, they both weren't really attracted to each other, even though the sex before they had a kid was incredible, and that was the kids reason ruin they got, everything. That's one of the, the reason moral. they got together. <laughs> I mean, yeah, part of it, like she talks in the second episode actually about how uh, your sexuality tends to be rediverted in energy towards children, because uh, in Don't the second babies, episode, people, I've only listened to two episodes so far second episode is even better i felt like i understood one of the people so much because it was that concept of one of the people in the relationship was the emotional one the other yeah. person was the logical rational one who was like uh, the one who took care of the baby more whereas the other person was trying to focus more on the relationship and it was like this difficulty and she got straight to the heart of their problems and like rooting it in like what happened to their parents when they were younger and how that changed them as people when they were developing and about how their sexual energy towards each other becomes diverted because when you've got like one person taking care of the child all day um, then the other person is like out at work all day and this was a lesbian couple as well oh. um, so like the typical gender roles weren't there but you could see how the same problems played out regardless because it's still the same idea of this monogamous relationship and you each take certain roles dependent on what you feel more comfortable doing but you know, like monogamous relationships for a lot of people don't work. Mm. <laughs> it's difficult. They're difficult to do because so much is, is expected. That is a whole topic in itself. Just before we finish, I would like to say that everybody should know that Anthony is the genius who has been designing the, uh, the, the logo that makes me look fantastic and makes him look <laughs> just as average as he really looks in real life. Uh, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. He's very handsome. Uh, I wouldn't have been with him otherwise. Um, <clears throat> and I think that it's also uh, important to note that he's the one that edits uh, the whole shebang, like the whole, every podcast, he's the one that's been editing in it. Yeah, and this, it's is, a very, this is my baby. It's, it's his baby. You know, I don't want But this babies. is also, you know, that thing about like, I, I don't want anyone else to do it because I want to do it. Yeah, it's sick. <laughs> I don't you know. trust that you'll do the job that I want it to do. Control freak. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's this, this should be noted. Okay, so for this time, let's just say, don't expect too much of other people. Deal with your own shit, but open up to the people that you feel like you can open up to and allow them to open up to you. 
and let's support each other. And my advice would be, um, you know, you're not going to listen to anything that we're saying because we're all human beings and we make mistakes and you're going to make horrible decisions and you're going to learn from them or you're going to die from them. Let's just hope that you live to learn the lesson. That was actually really poignant. I like that. It was kind of threatening, but in like quite a positive way. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Bye. See ya.